Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Welcome back to another episode of uh, Climb in the Pocket Fantasy. You're joined by uh, myself, uh, Miles Gorham. You find me at, uh, on Twitter at milesgorham 85 Joined by my uh, great co-host, uh, Flip Mozzie. Let's go. Ready to do another podcast. Like We got our fantasy teams in full swing, Miles. So let's give ourselves some advice, but also give the people some advice too. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, I mean... We're, 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 we're past week one. It was an exciting week one. I th- a lot of things have happened since. Uh, and I, I'm, ready, I'm ready to dive into what we... Uh, I'm ready to recap week one and then talk about week two. Well, let's do it. All right. Well, looking at week one a little bit, let's talk about the biggest, the biggest thing I think we all, uh, we all saw and we kind of all uh, um, kind of were surprised about in a sense was the, uh, the rookie breakouts, the, the wide receiver breakouts. They were... Uh, there were some guys that really uh, hit the ground running that we not that we didn't expect these guys to be good players because their their draft pedigree was um, kind of warranted it, but more of the the offense that they play in and and some of the the roles they we expected them to play early on. Uh, Hollywood Brown, Marquise Hollywood Brown from uh, with the Baltimore Ravens, their first round pick. The dude had four four catches, 142 yards, and two touchdowns. I, the guy. The, Guy came in and uh, and made huge plays. Uh, Terry McLaurin with with Washington, he put up a, over 100 yards in a touchdown and missed another touchdown. Uh, he looked really good and really smooth. He looked like their best pass catcher. And then obviously AJ Brown with the Tennessee Titans put up over 100 yards on three receptions. So we had some guys that looked really good. What you what you think of these guys, Flip? Man, it was really a great start across the league and. Just amazing. Those offenses put up so many points. I don't think anybody had the Ravens, the Titans, and the Redskins putting up all those yards, all those points. To have a center, have a rookie wide receiver be at the center of it, something pretty special. We know we have our favorites here. I know you love Terry McLaurin. I know you love Hollywood Brown, too. I'm a Hollywood Brown guy. The real surprise is A.J. Brown, but now the story becomes, question is, can they repeat? Yeah, I mean, that's the, that's the thing, right? It's not about, like, you see guys flashing the pan all the time. Uh, it happens every year. Week one, you see guys come out of nowhere, and they kind of break out, and you're like, you, you buy high on some of these guys, and you expect them to be big contributors for your fantasy teams and in, and in general and, and football in the NFL, and they kind of just fall off the cliff. Um, so for me, I well, let's go through those top three guys, those top three rookies. For me, Hollywood Brown might be the the one that worries me the most. Uh, just I think for the simple fact that I'm not sure that offense is going to be able to sustain that many uh, big passing plays. But if anybody could do it, it's definitely that guy because he's the he's one of the fastest players in the league already as a rookie. Um, AJ Brown would be the other one that kind of 
I, I put a little bit of hesitation on just because I'm not sure how I trust Marcus Mariota. Uh, but I think he'll, um, he'll have every opportunity just, to, just because it doesn't seem like uh, the Titans have that many great pass catchers. Uh, and then Terry McLaurin with Washington, I think he's their best receiver already um, as a third round rookie. And he looked, he looked phenomenal last week. And I think he should see a lot of targets, which should turn into a lot of fantasy points. What do you think? I agree for the most part with Hollywood. Now, I got Hollywood on my team. I got him in my flex slot right now. But I got Alshon Jeffrey as well. And so the question is, Hollywood came off a huge game. He was on my bench. So you know I'm pissed that he put up, what, 30, 40 <laughs> points on my bench. The question is, do you start him week two? I mean, I think looking at the stats, they were saying he put up all those numbers, but he only played 10 or 14 snaps for the Ravens or something like that. So so yep. if he plays the same amount of snaps, just, just 10 snaps, you can't expect him to put up those numbers again. The question is, do the Ravens know they have something special now? And will Hollywood Brown be on the field more for them? Yeah, and, and looking at it, actually, it's, you know, we're recording this um, right on Thursday night. And looking at this, it looks like he's on the injury report with a hip, with a hip problem. So that's something I'd monitor if I were you, Flip. Um, for me, I'd probably stick with Alshon Jeffrey for now, just because you kind of want to see, like you said, he only played 10, 10 or so snaps uh, last week. You really want to see how does he fit into their game plan moving forward because it really was a, he just made the most, the most of the plays he got in on. But can he be a, a consistent fantasy uh, contributor? Obviously, the, do, you, do you want him, can he be a guy that you rely on week in and week out? Or is he kind of more of that, uh, the guy that you, you put into your flex because you're hoping that big play comes because you're not, you only did it on four receptions, right? So you're, He's not the kind of guy, at least right now, where you're probably going to see the six, seven, eight, um, eight plus targets a game. He's more in that four, five, six range, and then you're just hoping that he has a big play to go with it. Uh, whereas Alshon Jeffrey, you know, there's a little bit more of that security as uh, one of the top options with Carson Wentz and the Philadelphia Eagles. He's an established player in that offense, and they want to get him the ball, especially in places like the red zone. So the touchdown. Um, uh, opportunities are a lot, a lot higher, in my opinion, for him than they are, uh, than they are a Hollywood Brown, at least right now. So for me, I'd play, I'd probably look to lean and play it safe and go Alshon this week and monitor the Ravens, uh, moving forward and just kind of see how Hollywood Brown, uh, fits in that offense. But Miles, what if I miss it again? What if he goes off again on my bench? <laughs> Can't be having that. I mean, Risk reward, right? I mean, it, that's what it is. What if he does too? What if he what if he gives you one catch for for seven yards and and you're sitting there <laughs> looking at Alshon with you know six receptions for seventy yards or something like that in a touchdown? I'm I'm almost okay with that. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> risk, we'll talk reward. about hey, it next week. I, I love that kind of fantasy, right? You go high risk, high reward. Go for it. I mean, if that's what you're um, if you're if you're feeling it, go for it. You want to take that risk? I'd never tell you not to. <laughs> I'm te- it's tempting. So how do you rank the three guys for week two, Hollywood, AJ, and Terry McLaurin? For me, uh, McLaurin's number one, just because I think he's going to see the most volume. Uh, two would probably be Hollywood Brown because of the big big playability. And then I'd put AJ Brown three just because I, I'm not high on uh, on uh, how to, Marcus Mariota, as well as I'm just I'm not that high on uh, their offense in general. I kind of think it was um, – I think they just 
came on. Uh, I think it was kind of a fluke. So I'm not, I don't trust them quite as much as I trust uh, some of these other offenses. So I, I, I'd go McLaurin, Brown, Hollywood Brown, A.J. Brown. Okay. Okay. So what other breakout players did we see in week one? Who do you want to talk about, Miles? Yeah, I'll just I'll hit on a couple of guys. There's the guys that kind of surprised me. Um, Dak Prescott, uh, he came out <laughs> hair on fire. That guy was killing it. So he uh, he put up 405 uh, passing yards and four touchdowns against the New York Giants. But it wasn't just like a, he didn't put these numbers up as like a oh you know it's you know it's it happens every once in a while. No, he put up these numbers throwing strikes. He was throwing dimes down the field. Um, he was hitting guys in stride. He was very accurate. This wasn't to me. This wasn't a fluke. This was more of a Dak looked really, really good, and I expect to. I don't expect 405 yards every week, but I expect him to be a a, a pretty um, sustainable fantasy contributor at the quarterback position. Another guy for me. I agree. Yeah, yeah. I was going to ask you what did what do you think? So for me, I own Dak Prescott in a couple of leagues uh, in my auction leagues. I got him for free, so <laughs> I was really excited to see what he was able to do week one. Dak's going to light this league on fire, man. I, I think he's the most consistent bet at the top of the quarterback rankings right now. And you probably got him for cheap if you have him on your team. So you you roll with that with that all the way to the bank. I got we're in this two quarterback league. And and this guy offered me Dak Prescott for Robbie Anderson straight up. Like, <laughs> like, no, nah, bro. Dak is my guy. Untradeable, yeah, untradeable, right yeah. there. That, yeah, that's a terrible trade off. <laughs> it's yeah, that time I'm of saying. year. Though. It's that time of year. Yeah. Now I see you also got Austin Eckler in here. Had a very big week one. Made made all the Chargers fans say Melvin who with the <laughs> yeah. The 53 yards touchdown and almost 100 receiving yards, two more touchdowns. So, I mean, obviously great week one for Eckler. What do you see him doing in week two? Yeah, I mean, I really do see similar um, similar fantasy points. He's going to be a guy that I don't think it'll be all – it's not really – he's not the kind of guy you're looking for to really, excuse me, be very uh, – you know, put up like a Melvin Gordon where he goes 100 yards every – every week on the ground or 80 plus yards on, on the ground. He's really that guy you rely on in the passing game. Uh, he just happens to also um, rush the ball as well at times. So it, it just kind of helps you there. 12 carries was, isn't a lot, um, but he's giving, he's giving you 18 touches a game, which is um, something you want to see. So, um, so for me, I think he's very, it's a, uh, um, he's a, he's a contender for me. He's, a, he's one of those guys that's going to continue to, to do that. He's a, an RB two for me right now. Um, and then obviously he has the potential to, to move up into the RB1 rankings um, if he continues this uh, six catches, you know, almost 100 yards and, and scoring touchdowns because that offense is they've, – they've missed uh, – excuse me, they're, uh, they have some guys that are hurt. Obviously uh, the news with Hunter Henry, um, which is unfortunate. And then it sounds like Mike Williams might be out this week as well. So you're looking at it – really it's Keenan Allen and Austin Eckler. That's really the kind of the offense right now. Um, Antonio Gates. Yeah, Antonio Gates, man. I mean, he's going to come back and just keep keep putting up numbers for free, or not for free, but uh, getting paid to uh, and not go to training camp too, two years in a row. <laughs> um, but I mean, in all honesty, though, that that's where the offense is going to roll through. It's going to be through Eckler, and it's going to be through Keenan Allen. So um, I want to own everything, every bit of Austin Eckler right now. Uh, 
And if you can get him, go get him because he's just going to continue to do what he's been doing. I think that's a great call, Miles. So who's next on the week one breakouts? Yeah, he's not really a breakout for me. It's more of like a surprise situation. Um, Malcolm Brown for the LA Rams with Todd Gurley. So Malcolm Brown, he didn't, uh, Todd Gurley still played like 70% of the snaps um, and still saw over 100 total yards. But uh, Malcolm Brown got 11 carries for 53 yards and two touchdowns. Obviously, the touchdowns are the big one because he got five red zone carries. Todd Gurley got zero. Uh, it really feels like we might be shifting just because we've heard we heard the Rams talk about um, talk about Malcolm Brown and Todd Gurley and kind of getting Brown more involved so that Gurley doesn't have to um, have 300 plus touches this season just because they know with the knee situation they want to keep him fresh. I think there's earlier in the year I compared the situation to a little bit of the um, the New Orleans Saints with Alvin Kamara where Kamara is so he's so efficient. But he, do, he doesn't have to do it by having 300-plus carries, 250-plus uh, carries. They do it in a very limited fashion, but they do it smartly and efficiently. And I think that's what um, the Rams might be trying to do with Todd Gurley, where Malcolm Todd Gurley's that like Alvin Kamara type. Uh, and then Malcolm Brown becomes like your Latavius Murray, Mark Ingram, where he just helps um, just share the load a little bit for Todd Gurley uh, when he needs a rest. And... Uh, so that's kind of where I'm. I just want to see where that where that goes coming going into week two and beyond, um, because obviously if Ty Gurley were to get hurt, Malcolm Brown's going to be one of the top waiver wire pickups or one of the top. Um, he'll immediately become a fantasy starter, but it's just something I want to monitor. Okay, okay, I'm not that high on Malcolm Brown. I mean, just so touchdown dependent, and you compare him to a yeah. guy like Eckler. Eckler and PPR put up 20 fantasy points before you even talk about his touchdowns. Malcolm Brown, without the touchdown, he's a five-point fantasy player. That's exactly the type of tweener guy you don't want on your team. So, honestly, my grade on Malcolm Brown right now is a trade. You you sell high on Malcolm Brown because I mean the second Gurley starts putting in the ball from the 15-yard line, and it's not like a first and goal from the five. Malcolm Brown's value, he's it's going to go down. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And right now, he's more of those. He's one of those guys I look at, and I hold him. Like if you have him on your roster, I'd hold him on my bench, just to see what and just to see that situation in general. What are they going to do? Like, does he continue to be a, a a contributor on that offense? And obviously, if Gurley were to miss some time, you obviously have that guy ready and waiting. He's more of a handcuff or more of a just a wait and see for me. But I do. I, I just want to wait and see what happens because maybe he does continue to be a, a part of the offense that um, he does become, like you said, a touchdown dependent. But that still holds value in fantasy. I got gotcha. you. Go find the guy who's got Le'Veon in your league and try to trade him Malcolm Brown and see just see what happens. <laughs> see if you can pull that off. Yeah, last last one for me. Uh, I'll just touch on I'll, – I'll give you – these are quick ones. John Brown for the Buffalo Bills, he put up 7, 123 and a touchdown. T.Y. Hilton, I guess it's not really a surprise because he's a really good player, but he put up 80, 8 for 87 and two touchdowns. It's more of a – they have a new quarterback, so just kind of him getting in the rhythm and the flow, but that's a good thing. That's a good sign. And then obviously the last one for me is Evan Ingram, head in for the New York Giants, 11 receptions, 116 yards and a touchdown. He might be this year's George Kittle where – he sees so many targets, sees uh, 
uh, a lot of opportunity and he's, he's really fast and athletic. So he's that kind of guy that, um, that creates a mismatch against linebackers and safeties and, um, definitely a great outlet for a guy like Eli Manning to, um, to throw to. Yeah. I love all three of these guys and it, I'm kicking myself cause I wasn't able to get any of them. John Brown, T Y Hilton, what both went really high in the leagues I was in Evan Ingram. I think he's just a stud. And you look at the the three tight ends at the top with Kittle, Ertz, Kelsey, Evan Ingram starting to be right there with him. And people kind of knew that going into this year. So he didn't have the best value in the fantasy draft phase of, of the season, but he's putting up results. Very impressive. Yeah, I was really impressed. Um, I think he has the potential to kind of surpass Zach Ertz this year. Uh, I really do. So I'm I'm curious to see if yeah, that Yeah, now we'll see what happens when Golden Tate comes back for the Giants. But in general, all three of these guys are getting a high amount of targets, getting a high, a lot of, high amount of catches. So play all of them. Great calls here. Yeah, 100% agree. All right. So we got some, we got some down players, too, and including some of our favorites. But we can get into them, too. I, I don't want to end the podcast on a down note or anything. Well, maybe it's not a down note because we get to no. laugh about just how poor of a day Aaron Jones had in Chicago last week to start off the season. Yeah, man, I put it, I put him in here because I I had him in a fantasy league, so <laughs> <laughs> I kind of just wanted to put it out there. I mean, I, I I don't believe it's sustainable. I think he's the kind of guy that could bounce back, and I think he's going to be a big part of that offense just because they don't have as many pass catchers as um, they'd probably even like. Um, but he's, he's definitely, like you said, it's, it's great as a Vikings fan to see the, when Packer players struggle, but, um, but yeah, I'm, I'm really curious to see how he does against the Vikings this week. Me too. Uh, I don't think, I don't see him doing anything to be honest. I mean, you look at what the Vikings did to Devontae Freeman, just erased him from the game. That's another one. I Another one I should have added to the dud list is that. (laughs) Him, Julio Jones. Well, Julio had the touch, the late touchdown, but um, overall, I mean, some of those guys just didn't really, they didn't really hit the way you'd like to. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if Green Bay comes trying to run the ball, if they start the game trying to hashtag establish the run. I don't think they do. (laughs) I'm not sure if Aaron Jones has as much value as you want from a fantasy running back. So. It's a wait and see here. Maybe he turns it up. Maybe you can buy this guy at a low point from somebody else who's frustrated with him. But a really tough start to the year for Aaron Jones. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, hopefully, in terms of at least a, a fantasy, fantasy standpoint, he, he picks up a little bit for my team. But as a Vikings fan, I'm okay if, if they, don't, uh, they don't give him the ball as much. <laughs> um, moving forward, I, I don't – this isn't a negative. I don't think it was more of the game script like we talked about against the Falcons, but the Vikings wide receivers, obviously Adam Thielen scored a touchdown, but other than that, it was three catches and 43 yards for him. Then you throw in the touchdowns so that made him fantasy relevant. Stephon Diggs, two catches, what is it? 50, not even 50 yards. Not even. Uh, 30, not, nah, yeah, 40. I've, I've, I'd have to look it up, but it, was, it wasn't a lot. Uh, it didn't make him very fantasy relevant unfortunately, but um, those are guys I expect to bounce back. I think obviously when the Vikings get into situations where they need to pass the ball a little bit more, we know they're not going to pass the ball just 10 times every week. That's, that's, that's an anomaly. It's an outlier. 
Uh, that was just a game script situation. They got up to 21-0 pretty quickly. So having to throw the ball wasn't something they necessarily had to do. Um, but I think those are the guys I'd keep an eye on moving forward that I think they'll bounce back because they're the top two pass catchers on the Vikings, obviously, and you know the best tandem in the league, as well as that, that they're the two guys that the passing game goes through for the Minnesota Vikings. So I think they'll I, – I wouldn't worry about them at all. Yeah, I, uh, I'm trying to do the math. So – 10, 10 passes, Adam Thielen had three catches, Stephon Diggs had two. And so they're still, you know, they're half of the Minnesota receiving game, even though these are pretty small numbers. They really yeah. weren't, I mean, they were just a victim of game script, game script, but they're going to be just fine when the Vikings offense has to open up some more. I'm now, I am really worried about Kyle Rudolph, just one target no catches in that game. And you would have thought that with Gary Kubiak coming to town, Kyle Rudolph was going to be at the center of the offense. It's it's really unnerving to see Kyle Rudolph put up such a poor day, even though, you know, the passing was so limited. Yeah, that's a that's an interesting one too. I'm curious to see. I, I to be honest, in terms of fantasy value, I wasn't I, I haven't Kyle Rudolph's one of those guys he's very touch on dependent just because we know he's not going to see the volume. Um, but you're right. I do expect him to get more. Inv- I do expect him to get more involved moving forward, though. So that's something to monitor for sure. Can't over. Can't overreact. So we'll see. All right. Who do we else? Who else do we got? Yeah, you you talked about Kyle Rudolph. I had him on the list. Uh, Dante Pettis. He only played two snaps for the 49ers. Sounds like he was hurt, um, but also seems like Kyle Shanahan's kind of sending a message. Uh, I think he just expects more from Dante Pettis. He had one catch for five yards. Um, so I'm curious to see kind of moving forward. Is he one of those guys after this week? You might be, right now you might be able to buy him for very cheap. He has a big week. You might be able to sell him high. So I'm um, kind of curious to see how that ha- how he moves how what happens with him moving forward. Uh, Eric Ebron for the uh, the Colts. I had I was really high on him going into the season because he had what uh, 14 touchdowns last year. I think 13 touchdowns. Um, he's just one of those guys that I think has a chance. Uh, to to replicate that was before Andrew Luck obviously retired. Um, this this last week though he had one catch for seven yards. So I'm kind of curious to see how that how that um, folds out as we move forward with uh, Jacoby Brissett. Then the rookie running backs were a big thing that I wanted to talk about. Um, outside of Josh Jacobs who did really well on Monday night, um, Miles Sanders and David Montgomery for guys that we expected to get um, to have big opportunities they didn't. Like Matt Nagy for the Bears talked. He talked up David Montgomery heading into the season last couple of weeks, talking about how excited he was to get him involved and be very uh, um, into the game and everything like that, and very um, and utilized. And they didn't they didn't use him. Uh, same with Miles Sanders; you're expecting him to be heavily involved to do a little bit of everything for that team because uh, he's the most talented running back on the team, just like Montgomery. But uh, they didn't do that, so I want to I want to see what they do with these rookie running backs. I got so many takes here. Um... Let's start with Ebron. Ebron is somebody who thrived under Andrew Luck, but if you hold Ebron, man, I just don't think Jacoby Brissett's a type of quarterback who's going to be finding multiple guys in the passing game, striking down fields, you know, throwing a lot of touchdowns. So that's really going to hurt Ebron's value. Now, Dante Pettis, this dude's just garbage, man. I don't have any time for Dante Pettis. One catch, five yards. When you're supposed to be the the primary receiver, 
are you kidding me? I cut this guy. I'm never looking back. He's out of there. And the rookie running backs, you just got to give them some time. You know, in this day and age, you kind of expect the rookies to flash right away. But eventually, you know, Pat Mahomes was a year two quarterback. Same with Lamar Jackson, his breakout. So let's just give the running backs some time. They'll get more carries. They'll get more explosive plays as the season goes on. I agree. Um, I just it's just something you want to you want to monitor just because both running backs they they do have other guys that um, that'll eat into their touches at least right now. Um, so it's just more of a wait and see for me. But I agree. Uh, the last one for me was Baker Mayfield. More of just a the the Browns in general disappointed. They got they got whooped by the Tennessee Titans. I just kind of wanted to touch on uh, Baker Mayfield and just kind of say. I know he was probably drafted really high in a lot of leagues as for a quarterback um, or, you know, two quarterback or super flex leagues. You know, he was, he was uh, drafted really high. So you got a, a major dud from him in week one. So, you, so you, I expect him to bounce back. They have, they have too good of, too good of playmakers. Uh, he, I think he's too good of a quarterback, but um, that's just something I'd, I'd uh, want to keep an eye on. All right. I think it's time. I think it's time we move into the week two matchup. Some of our favorite matchups that we, we expect to see from uh, quarterback, running backs, wide receivers, and tight ends this week. Uh, let's jump into some QBs, Flip. Who are some of your favorite QB Week 2 matchups this week? So I really like the rematch of the NFC Championship game. Jared Goff and Drew Brees squaring off again. It was a high-scoring game. Last time they played, it was a high-scoring game for the Saints on Monday Night Football against the Texans. They scored a lot of points. They let up a lot of points. Same's true for Jared Goff and the Rams at home against Carolina. So looking for a shootout here, and both quarterbacks should put up a lot of points. I totally agree. I'm 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 excited to watch that matchup. Uh, it's a really good one. Uh, both offenses they put up a lot of points. So it, it there should be a lot of uh, fantasy value going that in that game. One of my favorite matchups this week. Uh, it's more of a bounce back that I expect to see is Big Ben for this versus the Seahawks. I'm not sure the Seahawks defense is going to be at least the pass defense is going to be as um, as strong as it's been in the in uh, years past. And I think Big Ben really needs to have a bounce back. He's at home. We know he plays better at home than he does on the road. Uh, Juju Smith Schuster is another guy that I expect as a part of that to bounce back and have a big game. So I'm excited to see Big Ben and and that offense kind of get things back on track and. Uh, we we should see some uh, some big uh, big points and big plays put up for them. Yeah, I definitely agree. Yeah, um, I'm excited about that matchup too. I think we have a lot of good week two matchups this week. We do. You got to be somebody who's really targeted the mid round guys well in your fantasy draft, uh, and, and you can definitely see it start to pay dividends in week two. A lot of people are going to be jealous of your roster if you drafted well. Definitely. Moving into running backs, who are, who are some guys that uh, you're excited to see this week? So I'm really excited to see Chris Carson. He played really well in week one, both effective in the run game and the pass game for the Seahawks going against the Bengals. Uh, his, his handcuff, Rashad Penny, didn't really do that much, and Carson just racked up the yardage. So I'm hoping that continues. He's going against the uh, the Steelers. Yeah, yeah. just the one we just talked about. They're they're playing the Steelers this week, right? Yeah, he's going against the Steelers. So, based on what happened, you know, last week with the Steelers' defense just looking a mess, 
I think that the, the Seahawks will lean on Chris Carson again and and pay some big dividends. Hopefully he'll have a big fantasy day. Yeah, kind of similar to what we talked about with the Vikings in terms of pass share. They threw the, the Seahawks only threw the ball, I think, 20 times last week against the Bengals. And uh, Carson saw, I think it was seven total targets, but he had six receptions. So uh, that's the kind of volume you want to see from a, a running back that you, you invest in like a Carson. So you like to see that uptick in, uh, in, in targets for him because he wasn't seeing that last year. Definitely. What running backs are you looking at, Miles? Uh, looking at it for me, uh, it's the Washington running backs against Dallas. Um, I'm, I'm a little bit excited. It's, it's nothing big, but with Darius Geis being out and him missing, uh, being hurt again with the knee, which is an unfortunate situation for him, uh, having a, his knee scoped, uh, looks like he should be out around uh, four to six to eight weeks, possibly. Um, I'm kind of excited to see what Adrian Peterson can do. Um, he was he didn't even he wasn't even dressed last game, so he'll be the starter this week. I'm excited to kind of see how he does as the the lead back again. He's a little bit more touchdown dependent, um, but he should still see a, a bulk of the carries. And then Chris Thompson in PPR leagues, he's very um, he's one of those guys that he provides a lot of value. He had around seven receptions, I think, last week, six or seven last week. That up that should even be higher uh, now with, without Darius Geis, and because uh, we know Adrian Peterson isn't. It's not a skill set of his, so expect Chris Thompson to, to provide quite a bit of value uh, in, in PPR leagues. But did you see what Jay Gruden said about Adrian Peterson? Yeah, yeah, that's the whole wow. thing. I thought it was kind of funny that Jay Gruden wanted to cut him too. That's the funniest part is, and then did not play him, did not even dress him last week, and then now he pretty much has to tail tuck and, and make him the starter because of the situation they're in with guys. It's it's a, it's a pretty crazy situation. <laughs> this guy got a he's talking shit one second, next he's got to dress and start the guy. I love it. <laughs> yeah, man. It, I, it. I do too. It's uh it's kind of funny. <laughs> Jay Gruden's well, and Jay Gruden, he's coaching for his, his uh uh his job in, in my opinion this season, so he needs he needs a guy like Adrian Peterson to help him out. Incredible. I I'll be watching that game just to just to see that drama play out. <laughs> Let's move into some wide receivers. Uh, for me, I'll, I'll jump into this one first. I want to see, and this is kind of goes back to like a Big Ben thing. I want to see a bounce back. And he didn't have a bad game in week one with his new team. Um, Odell Beckham Jr., uh, he had seven catches, 70 some, 72 yards uh, last week. But I, I want to see some of those big plays that, you know, that we saw in New York, uh, what we know he can do. And I think against the Jets, uh, he should be able to do that, and I think uh, Baker Mayfield will find him early and often. How about you, Flip? What are uh, what uh, what wide receiver are you looking at this week? I think that's a really good matchup with OBJ and the Jets. Uh, my receivers, I'm trying to think, man. I I kind of want to go with. We talked about him earlier. Either the Stephon Diggs or to Adam Thielen. Whoever doesn't draw Jerry Alexander for the Vikings should have a big day because I think. Green Bay is going to get down in the box, try to stop Dalvin Cook. And our our second receiver should beat anything the Packers have going up against it. So maybe you can recover from that bad start in week one with the Vikings receivers. I also like Tyler Lockett. Again, the Steelers defense just looks out of sorts. So Russell Wilson only has one guy he's throwing to, and it's Ty Lockett. And you got to project him to be a wide receiver one in week two. Yeah, I agree. I'm a big Tyler Lockett fan. 
and he should see a, a lot more targets than even he did last yeah, season. Definitely. Um, let's let's wrap up the show with with some of our favorite tight ends. Uh, I <laughs> I'll let you start with this one because I'm I've been kind of biting my nails on, on a few guys here. Any tight ends out of the top four is just bad news, bruh. So whenever you're picking, whenever <laughs> you're picking matchups you like, you're gonna go with with Kittle yep. or Ingram or Kelsey. I mean, I mean, who does Kittle have this week? He's got Cincinnati. That's a again a plus matchup. He's the engine of that offense. They don't throw the ball to that trash can Dante Pettis. Debo Samuel's still a rookie, so <laughs> I'm going George Kittle. Man, I don't know if I can let you talk that shit against my guy Dante. Garbage, bro. <laughs> Get your attitude right. Get more than one catch in the game. Oh man. <laughs> no, but I mean, I mean, I'm with you. Like George Kittle, obviously, like you're rolling out all the all the top tight ends. I mean, the tight end uh, value is pretty low, anyways, right now in terms of the depth. Um, the talent, I should say, it's, it's pretty low. Uh, the high-end guys, you're going to start no matter what against any matchup just because they have the opportunities to take over. The, to take over. Uh, <laughs> for me, I'm going to go Mark Andrews just because he's in a similar situation as a Marquise Brown. He didn't play as all, you know, you know a huge amount of snaps, but when he did, they, they put him out in, pat, in passing routes. They, uh, they, they made him a feature. He had seven catches over 100 yards, eight catches over 100 yards and a touchdown. He's a big play guy, so I'm kind of excited to see if he can continue that trend against Arizona this week. I think that's a great call. Mark Andrews is a guy who flew under the radar just because he didn't know which of the Baltimore tight ends was going to see the most touches with Hayden Hurst coming back to health. But Mark Andrews was the guy last year, and he's the guy this year so far. So he should have a good day against the Cardinals. Definitely. Well, I hate to end it, but this is the, I think that's, that's going to do it for our, our third show of the Climb in the Pocket Fantasy. Again, guys, I really appreciate everybody coming out and listening, downloading the podcast. If you have any questions fantasy-related or, or football-related in general, please reach out to Flipper, Flipper myself. Um, we're, always, we're always open to chat with people on Twitter, so uh, just hit us up. Yes, sir. We're happy to answer questions. Big game against the Packers tomorrow, and all your fantasy players are going to be going at it too. So we hope you enjoy the weekend, y'all. Most of the time, we talk about tech in terms of a handful of gigantic companies like Google, Meta, and Apple. But some of the most interesting stuff we find online is the product of a single person. When you're working on your own, I think there's this beauty of being able to come up with an idea and then implement it. Then, in that moment, you don't have to have permission from someone else. There's no red tape. In the Vergecast series, Solo Acts, we'll get to know these people, the tech they use to get stuff done, and the obstacles they face trying to compete with the giants. Some people that I talk to and my friends are like, you know, your competitors are Zuckerberg and Musk. Like, aren't you kind of, like, afraid of that? Every Monday, our friend Ashley Escada will be curating and hosting these interviews and sharing with us what she's learned. I can't believe the McRib locator was originally a tornado locator. Right. <laughs> Pretty wild. Listen to our Solo Acts miniseries now in the Vergecast feed, anywhere you find podcasts. Hello, I'm Neil Patel, the editor-in-chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, a business podcast where I interview CEOs about big ideas, the problems that come from those ideas, and how they make decisions. 
It is also surprisingly about org charts. It comes up a lot. We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old, like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. There's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles, and it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. A little spoiler for you, if a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. You can listen to the Centennial series right in the Decoder feed. New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts.